Welcome to the Rob Seco Field Ready Podcast with your host, Jim Robinson. Hello, and welcome back to the Rob Seco Field Ready Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Robinson. Harvest is moving along rapidly, but there's still much to be done. So much so that we have to put in long hours and prioritize what gets done when. To talk to us about some of those considerations, we have Chris Lobb and Nate Meyer here joining us. Welcome, guys. Hi, Jim. Hey, Nate. Chris, welcome. Hi, Jim. How are you? Doing well. So, Chris, this is your first time on the show with us. Could you uh, introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about who you are and where you're from. Sure. Then thanks for having me on, uh, Jim. I appreciate it. So, uh, Chris Lobb, I am a a DSR with Rob Seco. Um, I actually live in Johnston, Iowa, and and cover about a six-county territory based around central Iowa. I grew up in a small town named Rippey, Iowa, which is about 35 miles northwest of Des Moines. Um, grew up on the farm, and we still uh, have a small farming operation today. And I've been in the seed business, uh, it's, I'm pushing almost 25 years. Excellent. Well, welcome to the show. And, and the first question I have for you is, how is harvest progressing in your area? So harvest is, is pushing right along, especially in soybeans. I would say that the soybean crop is probably 60 to 70% harvested around central Iowa. There's been uh, very little corn taken out, um, mainly early varieties for guys who maybe hadn't started soybeans yet um, to get that out of the field and run through the dryer bin maybe, but so very little corn at this point. The soybeans uh, have been exceptional, uh, which is a bit surprising due to the fact that we were so dry um, this summer. And I think it kind of goes back to what we've always talked about is all you really need are are a timely rain here and there, and you can raise a, a really good crop. We're probably setting uh, all-time records um, on a lot of farms here in central Iowa with the range probably 65 to 85 bushels per acre, mm-hmm. which you know really isn't that typical for central Iowa. Um, the corn on corn fields, there were a lot of corn on corn fields that, that have been rotated this year due to the derecho a year ago, and those fields have been in the mid to upper 80s. So it's just absolutely something we just don't see. It may be a, one of those once-in-a-lifetime type mm-hmm. harvests. Uh, very little disease, very little insect pressure. Um, the one thing that has stood out um, to me is how well the E3 uh, soybeans have done this well. I've done this year. They're just they've just been tremendous. Um, Rob Seco, Inatech Variety IS 2089s and 2748s have just been showstoppers. They're just really showing their yield this year. It creates lots of happy customers with the E3 platform, and they're just uh, it goes back to the tagline right. They're safe, simple, and superior. Um, these, these soybeans are just, they're just a great product and it's amazing how clean these fields are, um, during harvest time that you, you just don't see a weed out there. So it's been a, a, an exciting year to harvest soybeans and it's, it's just shown the real power of having a good platform to use on your, on your farm. That's fantastic. Yeah. Thank you for that. So Nate, you cover a little bit broader of a geography in general. You, you actually run from Eastern Iowa all the way to the Rocky mountains and then actually down from Nebraska and Iowa through through South Texas. Can you tell us a little bit about what you are seeing in during harvest in that geography? Sure, Jim. Well, obviously what you said there, you know, it, it is a large geography. So I, I've seen anywhere this week from uh, soybean fields in Nebraska that probably still have a week away before they're going to harvest to um, getting through Kansas, fully harvested corn, soybeans, uh, sorghum, everything of that nature. So uh, trends I've been hearing this year, a lot of people are surprised. Um, yields are a lot better than they expected earlier on. Um, like Chris said, the same thing, um, not a lot of disease pressure. 
Um, we are seeing a little bit more rootworm pressure this year. So this is one thing we need to be on the lookout for is uh, as we get further into the season, um, worrying about harvest, um, making sure we're getting the fields in order that we need to. Soybeans this year have been great. Uh, like Chris said, the E3 varieties we have out there are surprising everybody. Yields have been what I've been hearing in some of the irrigated stuff, 85, 90 bushels, dry land stuff as we move up northern Nebraska, still very good in that 45 to 50 range where they were expecting maybe 30 to 35 bushels. So soybean yields have been great. Corn starting to roll off more, getting some plots back. Um, really happy with what I'm seeing there. Uh, not a lot of stock or root issues and really nice yields. So it's tough to give an update on everything, Jim, because um, this week I've been through Nebraska, Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas, and New Mexico. So um, it's a big area, but uh, so far everything's progressing really nicely. No, for sure. You, you cover a lot of territory in your, your role as product evaluation lead, uh, evaluating products, fields, and helping out agronomically. Now, I did just get back uh, late last night from a trip up to South Dakota, Minnesota, and North Dakota to do a tour of a number of pre-commercial uh, trials. And so I can actually give a little bit of an update on, on the Northern Territories and how those are looking harvest-wise. Beans are coming off really, really fast in the North. And in the vast majority of geographies, uh, the yields are surprisingly high. I mean, a lot of Western Minnesota, Eastern South Dakota, Eastern North Dakota were severely impacted by drought all through June into July and were rescued more or less by some August rains that really put on a lot of yield into the soybeans. So the soybeans are actually coming in around normal yields. In some cases, we're hearing of exceptional yields, you know, yields in the 80s and 90s, which is really unheard of in, in a lot of those parts of the world. Corn-wise, corn is actually moving really fast and not necessarily for a great reason. Uh, across much of those geographies that were impacted by drought, it accelerated, especially the earlier hybrids, in their time to maturity. And so they finished up a little bit faster. They're starting to get harvested now. Yields are probably a little bit more disappointing because the corn and those early hybrids weren't able to take advantage of the later rains. Now, full season hybrids in, the, in those areas are doing better, but still not what we were seeing two years ago, three years ago for, for all-time high yields. But harvest is moving along really rapidly, and uh, um, I think we're going to see a lot more beans coming off and actually to the point where it may impact the overall price, uh, commodity price of beans, and corn probably a little bit short of plan up there. You know, we're looking at a lot of things going on during harvest, and Chris, I'd, I'd like you to talk to us just a little bit about, you know, safety when it comes to harvest. You know, people can get tired as they're putting in long hours. There's big equipment. There's a lot going on, a lot of moving pieces, and really a lot of things that can go wrong. So, Chris, could you tell us what safety considerations we should take into account during harvest? Absolutely. So I, I have some firsthand knowledge of this. We do run a, a uh, and I'm still involved with a family uh, farming operation around Rippy. And, and it's always something you keep in mind. Uh, one of the things we always do is, is we kind of have a checklist of things that we want to check, obviously before harvest, but even during harvest to make sure that the machines are operating at the capacity that they have the ability to do, uh, making sure things are um, in order. So things you don't have those breakdowns, right? Because no one wants a breakdown during harvest. So just, just keeping up on the maintenance and checking equipment every day on what things could be going on that need to be fixed so you don't have downtime when you really don't want it. Um, we also, 
um, always keep the manuals in, in the combines and in the tractors. We're always checking those to make sure things are set right. Um, we have somewhat of a plan together, uh, put together that if something does happen, you know, here's what we're going to do. Uh, you know, always, always think of things that, that possibly could happen. The other, the other thing we try to do is always pre-harvest, you know, take care of things like tree limbs and things like that that could be in the way during harvest that could slow you down or could, that, or that could cause damage to machinery. So, you know, then you don't have to worry about those things when you get into the full-blown heat of the mm-hmm. battle when you really want to be out there and put some long hours in. Yeah. The other thing that we're really um, adamant about is um, if we have someone new that's going to come on the farm or maybe it's someone that just comes up on the weekends that wants to help out, we always make sure we train them. They know exactly how the machines work. They know exactly what to do and what not to do. Um, just want to make sure they're very, very um, instructed on what the things to do and especially the things not to do right because there's just a lot of moving parts and it's a very you know it's a very dangerous time of year right um we also we we harp about it and i don't have any young kids anymore but you know we used to always when when the kids were out there be very cognizant of when when kids are around um what they're doing because no one i mean it's everyone's worst nightmare to have something happen to, to a to a child uh, during harvest or during any time of the year. So we always are really, we talk about those things. And I think it's really important for families that have young children. Um, if they're like my boys, you know, they, they, they just love to come out and see the big machines working and, and be around it. But it's it's such a dangerous, it's such a dangerous thing to be around just being really co- cognizant of what's, if what's going, what's going on. And if they're around, mm-hmm. Absolutely. the other thing that, that you really, that you really feel this time of year, Jim, as you well know, um, is just the fatigue of being um, in a machine all day long for, um, you know, day after day. Um, one of the biggest things we talk about is, you know, if we get if we get tired or you feel fatigued, you know, we'll stop and we'll take a break or, we'll, you know, we'll go do something else for a little while. And obviously it, it's easier to say that than actually do it. But if you feel tired, you probably should top, stop and, and maybe take some time to do something else just so you can regather your thoughts and make sure you don't make a silly mistake because obviously that it just takes one of those and it can be, have a very bad result. Absolutely. Um, you know, these, these combines and, and most machinery, they have such, such an awesome lighting system on them anymore. You know, we make sure that everything is, everything has lights on it. You know, if we're going to run at night, you know, that we can see what we need to see, but just to make sure those things are, are where they should be. Obviously we're filling grain bins this time of year and you probably mm-hmm. don't have as much, as much worry of, of grain collapsing this time of year because you're you're really putting it in there but obviously that's one of the most dangerous things to do as well but even mm-hmm. being around augers uh, we make sure our, our safety shields are all on there never operate or, or do any type of maintenance on an auger while a tractor is running just to be very very cautious about grain bins because we know how dangerous they can be mm-hmm. um, you know getting entangled in an auger that type of thing can you know can really really change a person's day right Absolutely. So we just we just try to be very cautious that there's just a lot of things that can go wrong, um, just especially if you're tired. So we just try to try to stay on top of those things and make sure that everyone has that plan and knows, you know, the things to do and not to do. And just hopefully we have a safe harvest that way. Perfect. No, thank you for that. Those are really good points. And, you know, the last thing anybody wants to, to hear about is, you know, or have happen is, is you know, a loved one, you know, a friend, a you know, co-worker getting hurt on the job and then, um, you know, it's just not a good thing. So paying attention to all those uh, different aspects is great. Now, Nate, 
harvest is a long, long, difficult, you know, protracted job that, that can take quite a while. And with that, you just can't keep up with all the different things that have to get done. So, you know, farmers have to prioritize how they finish up harvest. You know, we're about, we're not quite halfway through harvest, you know, nationally right now, but uh, as we continue through, we're prone to see more and more harvest loss, you know, field loss, whatever it might be. What should farmers do to prioritize the remainder of their fields? Well, Jim, that's a good question. I, I think the number one priority they need need to make is farms a business. So they need to prioritize what fields they plan on making the most money on. Um, so if they're looking at a hybrid that has great standability and they know that it's it's something that they can wait another week on, or they might have another hybrid in the field where uh, it might have a little less standability. Maybe it root lodges a little bit more. Maybe the field itself is a little bit more prone to having disease or catching the wind at the right uh, at the wrong time, I should say. So they got to look at that. And one of the best ways to do that is to go back to the characteristic chart of the hybrids and take a look there. Is it a eight seven eight for standability? Is it a seven eight for for roots, knowing that that usually means, hey, it can stand out in that field a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. If we get to a six and below, those are the ones that you need to start prioritizing for harvest. Those are the ones that, hey, let's get out there and get this one first. I know hybrid B is going to stand a little bit longer, so we got a little bit more time for that one. So that would be the best thing to do. And then you need to get out there and scout a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we, we have some great products, but you know what? Nothing's immune to some diseases. So let's get out there, start pitching some stocks taking some socks, seeing, seeing how much stock integrity is left in there. Um, if you get out there and start pinching some stocks and, hey, they're starting to pinch really easy, you can, you know, uh, pinch right through them, it might be time to get the combine out there and get going. Uh, you're probably one big wind event away from having a big mess. So that, that's what I'd like to say there. So, um, you know, you got to make sure that you're in the right yield, uh, I'd say moisture range too, um, you know, ear to ear, interactions with some hybrids something might be drying down a lot slower than it has before if you, even if you've raised it there before so knowing where that's at so um but you know most farmers know their know their ground better than anybody else does and so they know which fields they usually need to prioritize when it comes to whether it be disease wind events maybe it's uh something that holds a little bit more moisture through the year so um, but it's always best to just go back to the characteristic chart to kind of get an idea of that hybrid and then go take a look from there. Exactly. And, you know, you know there are times where even though you may want to wait until a hybrid dries down to 15 and a half in the field, you know, you may be better off financially harvesting it at 20 and just paying drying charges just to get that crop out of the field harvested because, you know, it may be a hybrid that that's prone to root lodging and it's a lot more difficult to pick it up off the ground than it is to get it now. So, Chris, how can farmers use this harvest time right now to think about next year's cropping decision? I mean, when you're in the combine all day, every day, you know, or hauling grain, whatever it might be, you see a lot as, as things are coming through that combine. What should they do to think about next that, year's cropping decisions? That's for sure, Jim. And on top of agreeing with everything that Nate said, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's the end of the year and, and the fruits of your labor are right in front of you, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think there's there's several things that growers can do to uh, plan for next year. Uh, one of those things would be, you know, taking notes uh, while you're in the combine, especially if there are any considerations that you that you want to keep in mind for next year. Um, you know, what did well where? Um, what 
are there any special considerations with with uh, weed control in different areas? You know, where, did you have areas that there were where there were escapes? Um, you know, it's it's kind of that it's it's kind of a sitting at your office and watching the computer screen, right? So watch that yield monitor. Mm-hmm. Um, evaluate how hybrids and bean varieties did in different different parts of the field, and obviously you can print those maps off after harvest, but um, it's it's different than actually being there and seeing it. So uh, take notes. Um, at Rob Seco, we try to do as good a job as we can, and we and we do a lot of training. Um, a, a lot of, of back and forth, you know, really coming up with recommendations on where hybrids and soybean varieties should be placed mm-hmm. and our placement recommendations with population and those types of things. So get, pay special attention to it because it, you, know, as far as next year, that helps out someone like myself when we sit down at the, at the uh, kitchen table, when we start talking about seed decisions for next year, uh, input from the farmer standpoint is, is as is important as what you can input what you can help with as far as from the seed standpoint, right? Yep. Information, you can never have enough information. And so I would I, try to really, really watch how things are doing on the soybean side. One of the things that, that we would consider this year, you know, we were, we were right in the middle of the duration uh, last year, but there's a lot of volunteer in, in some of these fields, mm-hmm. uh, volunteer corn in some of these fields. So, you know, that, will that will that cause any type of rootworm effect next year? Will that will there will they lay eggs in bean fields? I mean, we know that that can happen, right? Yep. So we we didn't have a, a lot of evaluation this year in cornfields in Central Iowa because there were a lot of a lot of farmers that just couldn't uh, plant corn on corn this year due to the fact that they're that they had to either disc it down or there was just a lot of a lot of corn that that was damaged, uh, which in turn would cause a lot of volunteer corn, which which obviously is very hard to control in corn. So you know, evaluate those fields. Um, think about what you, if you would have, if, if there was anything that you might have done different. Because again, at the end of the day, um, th- there's a there's a ton of power with knowledge of your fields, and that can help make decisions next year that can really help you uh, produce a better crop or even a, even help with those areas that are very difficult to control. So knowledge is power, right? Exactly. And that helps us in in all the decisions from our end. No, that's great. And yeah, just to add to that, I mean, you know, outside of your area, there were a lot of geographies that were heavily impacted by corn rootworm this year. And so, you know, as you're right in the combine, it's worth keeping a look and you may see more lodging that's the result of corn rootworm than than you had expected. So it might be time to take those notes and and recognize that it's finally time to rotate that long time corn on corn field uh, back to beans or whatever it might be. But just to summarize overall, so Chris, Nate, you know, today we talked about harvest is coming along really rapidly. Things are looking better than expected in most geographies, especially for soybeans. And as we're going through harvest, you know, we really need to keep in mind safety because these are kind of the the middle of harvests. It's only going to get tougher from here. You know, you're going to get more tired. You're going to put in longer hours. It's getting dark earlier. So make sure all of your equipment is well-maintained. You have all the manuals available. You're keeping your eyes open for people around you, people around the equipment. You know, all the safety shields around the augers are going. Everybody's just paying attention to what they're doing. Get rest when you need rest and continue with harvest. But also as you're continuing with harvest, make sure you're prioritizing those fields properly. So which hybrids or which varieties are more prone to have field loss than others? And maximize your total revenue by going after those first and maybe waiting a week on that hybrid or variety that has better standability and is less likely to lose yield during the, the harvest season itself. 
And, you know, as you're going, also take notes. It's really good to take notes to make decisions for next year because you're not going to necessarily remember those in January when you're finalizing your seed buying decisions or, you know, ultimately deciding what you're going to use for herbicides and what you have to tackle. So take those notes this year, figure out what you're going to do next year, but otherwise make sure you have a good, safe harvest season. Nate, Chris, thank you guys both so much for joining us. Thank you, Jim. Always a pleasure, Jim. Thank you, guys. All right. Well, as always, be sure to tune in on the 1st and 15th of every month for new episodes. And until then, stay field ready. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Rob Seco Field Ready Podcast. Join us next time to be field ready. A Huda Media Production.